John Bolton will be part of the Singapore Summit as we predicted. The media is spinning this as Bolton, the narrow-minded, warmongering lunatic. He's been sidelined. See, Pompeo, he's the softer, gentler, more open-minded diplomat. He's taking the lead in these negotiations, and they're making it seem like Kim Jong-un won, and Bolton has been marginalized and sidelined. It always works this way. I mean, everybody knew Pompeo, the Secretary of State, is always the one who takes the lead. Bolton, National Security Advisor. I mean, that's just how it works. And the real story here is Bolton is going to be at the table despite Kim Jong-un insisting that he not show up at all. This is actually a major victory for Trump. You remember, Kim Jong-un said, we don't want Bolton involved, and I predicted that that he would be involved. Giuliani said yesterday that Kim Jong-un got on his hands and knees and begged Trump to come back to the table after Trump canceled these meetings. So who do you think here has bigger leverage? Who do you think is running these negotiations? Of course, the media is never going to give Trump credit. Now, Bolton said they'd follow the Libya model to denuclearize, and Kim started freaking out a few weeks ago. At first, I thought that Bolton just meant to say they'd follow the Libya model of getting rid of the weapons. But I'm thinking now that there was a veiled threat, that it was intentional, trying to show Kim Jong-un that we are going to play hardball. This is all done very strategically. Bolton and Pompeo, they don't disagree in their approach. They're playing roles, good cop, bad cop. You know, the media wants Trump to seem like this impulsive, clueless guy who just keeps having this string of good luck, this dumb luck that keeps hitting this guy. They're so scared that he's going to make a deal, score the biggest diplomatic victory since the Cold War, and especially if it happens before November, it would be massive for the Republicans. You know, so they make it seem like he just stumbles into these things by mistake. And believe me, it's all planned out. Bolton radical, Pompeo Mr. Softy, and if they cut a deal, you know, Pompeo's offer, which trust me will be tough, is going to seem like a concession. It's going to seem like the weaker deal compared to Bolton. By the way, do you know why they think Bolton is crazy? You know what he said? He said that he wants regime change in Iran. He wants to topple the Ayatollah. You know, I say you're crazy if you don't want to topple the Ayatollah. And again, if they cut a deal before November, it would be huge. And how sad is it that the Republicans for the midterms have to hope that Trump does something on his own? Congress is so dysfunctional, they're not going to help their own cause. You know, besides Gorsuch and the Trump tax cuts, there's nothing else. So, and even the Tuck taxes wouldn't happen without Trump. All right, more on North Korea coming up. Follow us on Twitter at The Politics Zone. The Politics Zone. You can text 40404 and stay on top of politics stories throughout the day. So when you're done listening to this show and you got your fix of this show, you still have a bunch of hours more of tweets to go. You know, try it out. Email address, by the way, the Jewish News Channel at gmail.com. T-H-E, the Jewish News Channel at gmail.com. Democrat Senator Joe Manchin has said West Virginia said it was a mistake for him to support Hillary in 2016. He says in 2020 he may support Trump. Now, as one of my listeners points out, one of the twi Twitter followers, uh, he's not going to support Trump in 2020, but he is being very smart here because he knows that he's in a Trump state and he knows that he wants to get reelected uh, in November. So he's saying, yeah, I may support Trump. Yeah, right, he may support Trump. But what does this tell you, folks? If you have a Democrat turning, Democrat senator turning and spinning and saying, Hey, you know what? Throw Hillary under the bus. I'm going to support Trump. What does that tell you about Trump? Now, the Gang of Eight is going to, are, are going to be shown documents uh, related to Spygate. DOJ is going to show them specific hand-picked documents. Not all the documents, the documents they want them to see. But this Gang of Eight, you know, these leaders in Congress and Senate, the bipartisan leaders, because the Democrats want in on this, they're going to see some documents related to Spygate. Meanwhile, Paul Ryan said... He agrees with Gowdy. He says Gowdy's right that uh, this was legitimate. The FBI to plant this informant, 
in 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 the Trump campaign. Now, of course, again, Paul Ryan, he can't conveniently can't tell us any specifics because, of course, that's classified. So we're just supposed to trust him. Meanwhile, the media is still saying that Trump is accusing the FBI of spying despite no evidence. They say this again and again. The Hill said this on Thursday, today, on Thursday, said that uh, Trump has no, he's accusing them of spying, but he has no evidence. <laughs> I mean, the New York Times printed a story about how they planted an informant, and yet they did not tell the Trump campaign, and yet they spoke to the Trump campaign and recorded all of the things they were doing and then reported it back to the FBI. This guy, Stefan Halper. Like, how can you tell me that's no evidence? You want to tell me that maybe it's debatable? I don't even believe that, but, like, I'll buy that. But no evidence, really? Uh, we, by the way, I was reminded by a listener that I predicted, we told you about these refrigerators, two refrigerators, $24 million. It boggles the mind. I mean, I say the words. I almost can't get the words out. A $12 million refrigerator, but it's, you know, the food's going to be really cold, like really, really unbelievably cold. Anyway, uh, I'm reminded that I predicted this a few months ago. I had forgotten this. I, I mentioned this story about these outrageously priced refrigerators, and I said, you know what? Trump's, he's going to cancel this deal. And sure enough, lo and behold, it was the Air Force, but you know, we know where it comes from. I mean, Obama never would have canceled it. Now, the Senate has said, Republicans, Mitch McConnell, say they're not going to pass a bill or vote on a bill about tariffs. You know, so there was this push by Republicans uh, to try to take away Trump's ability to impose tariffs. And uh, Mitch McConnell said, quote, we're not going to be passing a bill that prevents the president to do what he can legally do under current law. Very smart of these Republicans to not commit political suicide by waging war with Trump with the most successful and most conservative president uh, in the last, I don't know, 50, 100 years. You know, we have this DACA mess. Like, you know, if you're going to wage war, like, why not wage war on the Democrats? I mean, do you really think that this is the battle here a few months before the midterms? You should try to battle President Trump. And I respect, you know, both sides of the argument about tariffs. I understand that a lot of conservatives are opposed to the tariffs and are worried about a trade war. And yes, there have been repercussions already. So this to me, there are both sides that can be argued to this issue, and that's fine. And if you want to oppose Trump, I'm good with that. But you're going to pass a bill taking away Trump's power? I mean, how absurd is that? No, I used to hope that Congress passed something big before November to help them surge. Now I'm just hoping that they don't pass anything at all and just keep from f shooting themselves in the foot You know, with this kind of thing. We got the DACA mess going on. Now, remember, they, they wanted to try to take away Trump's power to fire Mueller, but of course that was quashed too, thankfully. All right, Stockton, California. Starting 2019, the city of Stockton will have guaranteed income for everybody. The 27-year-old, highly experienced 27-year-old mayor of Stockton, California, has a radical plan to combat poverty in his, in his city, which is struggling right now. A no-strings-attached basic income, $500 amount for every resident. Wow, this is brilliant. See, why has nobody thought of this? There's people out there struggling. They don't have a lot of money. So the government could just guarantee to give that money. Oh, wait a second. That's Marxism, right? Karl Marx thought of this a long time ago. You know, let's see if Google lists Marxism when they list their ideology of the California Democrat Party. Let's see if Marxism is there, socialism. You know, I checked. It's not. All right, uh, Gaza. Now, the Gazans have been whining over a medic, a, a Gaza medic who was killed. She, she was trying to help people, to help victims who were wounded uh, by the Israelis, and she was killed in the process. And the Palestinians have gone nuts, and they turned this into uh, an, another piece of propaganda. Now, look at this. The Israelis, they gunned down a medic who's trying to help the wounded. Now, it turns out the Israelis have discovered a video of her 
throwing a grenade, a grenade, a video of her railing against the Israelis and throwing a grenade. She actually was part of the terror movement. Um, unbelievable. Now, and by the way, and even so, she was killed by incidental fire. They weren't even targeting her. There weren't even a lot of shots fired in her direction, but she was unlucky, you know, but, and, and despite the fact that they had every right to fire at her because it turns out she was throwing a grenade. She's not an innocent victim after all. Now, speaking of Gaza, uh, it's been admitted now that by the Palestinians that guess who was supporting funding uh, and, and pushing, really pressuring the, the entire Gaza protest movement at the border Guess who? Iran. No, no shock there. Uh, and this is not. This is actually the Palestinians themselves are the source of this. This is not something that came from Israel or even the mainstream media. Uh, Palestinian ambassador to France uh, told Macron. He said that yeah, this was Iran. And in fact, they resisted. The Gazans did not want this, but the Iranians had no choice. The, the Iranians gave them no choice. And furthermore, there's a lot of Palestinian unrest aimed at Hamas. You know, because of the massive humanitarian crisis going on over there, because. Uh, the Hamas leaders that pump all the money into terrorism and uh, into waging war on Israel and the people are starving. The people don't have basic supplies. So that actually they, they sort of channeled all that anger to go and take it to a protest against Israel. But the Iranians right now, they are in panic mode. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to, to shift world opinion against Israel. Not that Israel has any credibility in the, in the world's eyes at this point. You know, the UN and Europe, they can't stand Israel. They already look at Israel as a terrorist regime. So the Iranians, in their desperation, are trying to push that narrative. So this whole thing came from now. This is a good news in the sense that, you know, it shows you that Iran is responsible for the unrest. You know, when they talk about making peace, a two-state solution and peace talks, and, you know, the, the, the Israelis won't come to the table and the Israelis just keep squashing the Palestinians. It, it turns out that Iran is meddling. In fact, there is there, there would be relative comments. There's not peace in that area, obviously, but the Palestinians, they're not looking to battle. You know, the, the Gazans were a lot more damaged and Hamas was a lot more damaged after this than before because of the Israeli retaliation. This is not what they want right now. So Iran meddling is really what's creating all these problems. And again, you know, hopefully the world will start to notice. I'm not holding my breath, but when you talk about this Iranian nuclear deal that is now on the verge of collapse, you know, hopefully the world recognizes you know, how evil the Iranians really are and how they're the cause of all these problems in that region. Region, Okay, now, the media conveniently forgot that when a uh, an athlete was invited to Obama's White House, I believe in 2012, they bashed him. You know, now suddenly the, athlete, the, 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 the media is bashing Trump uh, for disinviting these athletes and for being so divisive. But it turned, and, and, and they're defending these athletes who refuse to come to the White House. Well, in 2012, ESPN, ESPN is this sports network, and they've been taking a very liberal anti-Trump position. Well, when the, um, when it comes to the, uh, you know, the kneeling for the national anthem and all that stuff, well, they, in 2012, there was this hockey player who won the Stanley Cup. That's, the, I guess, the championships in hockey. I don't know much about hockey, but uh, he was invited to Obama, to, to the White House by Obama, and he refused to go. And they said, quote, when the President of the United States invites you and all your teammates to the White House to honor your Stanley Cup championship, you go and represent them. On Monday, this was last, whatever, in 2012, Monday in 2012, he chose to represent himself instead of choosing to represent his team, and they bashed him for it, and they were 100% right. And if somebody had refused, I, I would tell him, and I'm sure that he and I are aligned politically and he's a conservative, this guy, whoever he is, but uh, he should have gone to the White House and shown respect for the President of the United States, whether you like him or not. It damages the entire country when that's your attitude. Now, a federal judge uh, ha is sa has said that the lawsuit by the, by the ACLU against Trump 
can move forward. Not exactly what he said. I'll explain in a second. But the ACLU is suing President Trump. This brutal uh, policy of separating parents and children at the border. So this judge says that it may it may it may deprive them of due process. Now, when did people who are not citizens of this country get due process? How are they entitled to due process under the Constitution? The Constitution only applies to Americans it, it, or, or people who are here legally, even if they're not technically citizens. It doesn't apply to a foreign citizen who crosses the border illegally. So it doesn't make any sense to me. But either way, now, the judge didn't advance the lawsuit. The The, the headline in the, in the Hill is that uh, the judge advanced the lawsuit. The judge didn't advance the lawsuit. The, uh, the government said that they want it dismissed because there's no constitutional grounds for the ACLU to bring this lawsuit, and the judge refused to dismiss it. That's not exactly the same as advancing it. But either way, right now, there are 11,000 unaccompanied children in custody. Of course, there's been this major surge in separating children from their parents because the Trump administration is trying to deter people from crossing the border, even though border crossing is still at ridiculously high rates right now because people think they can get across. And Trump has come down very hard. Now, there are 11,000 unaccompanied children in custody. That's a lot. And they're actually looking for military facilities now. They don't have room to hold these kids. They don't have anywhere to hold these kids. But, you know, the, the red tape makes everything so painfully slow that they can't get these kids into foster homes. They can't get anybody to watch them. Now, the media is making it out to be some kind of major crisis. The crisis is that parents are willing to use their children as human shields and to bring them across the border despite knowing exactly what's going to happen. You know, they've they've gotten the message loud and clear, but they don't care. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Peters, he's a former Fox commentator. He was on CNN. He says he thinks that Putin has something on Trump. He thinks that, yeah, you know, why has Trump not antagonized Putin like he antagonizes other people? Obviously, Putin has. He said, you know, the Christopher Steele dossier, he, he says, quote, it rang true to me because that's how the Russians do things. When I heard about the Steele dossier, it rang true to me. And Donald Trump is the perfect target for Russian intelligence. Well, all right. Well, that's that's great. That's newsworthy, CNN. It rang true to him. The Steele dossier is completely, completely unverified. I mean, there is no basis. It's baseless. You know, it was literally made up as opposition research. You know, th this is a quote from... The Hill, again, The Hill, Republicans and Trump have frequently targeted the Steele dossier for its roots as an opposition research document that was funded partly by Hillary Clinton's campaign. You know, that Trump, he's so unreasonable. You know, they're targeting the Steele dossier just because it was paid for by Hillary Clinton. And there is zero, zero evidence to suggest that any of it is true. And some of it's really outrageous, you know, but but uh, Trump, he targets it. He chooses the Steele dossier as this easy target. You know, and, and here's the point. This guy is upset because Trump has been unwilling to, to, to antagonize Putin. You know, he antagonizes the European leaders. Why doesn't he do the same thing to Putin? And it's so obvious because the European leaders are our allies. So Trump knows that he can tell them straight. He could talk very directly to them and be very tough with them. And that'll get them to do what they need to do. You know, it comes to Iran, NATO, so much going on. So Trump's not afraid. Now, with Putin, you've got to tiptoe more. It, it doesn't mean that you cave into Putin, but what it does mean is you can't talk the same way. Now, Kim Jong-un, President Trump antagonized him. You know, Rocket Man, right? But that fire and fury, that was different because there he was trying to, you know, force his hand. There he was trying, he strategically, and it, and it seems to have worked wonders, strategically uh, getting Kim Jong-un to, you know, pressuring him to give up the nuclear weapons and to give up his threats to attack the United States. So that was a very big deal. You know, that was a, that was a major conflict. But with Putin, it's the opposite. There's no conflict right now, but he's still our mortal enemy. So you've got to be very careful. You know, Trump, they think Trump's so irrational that he doesn't realize this, but he's more rational 
anybody gives him credit for. Now, all right, uh, uh, again, North, back to North Korea here for a moment. The Democrats have offered Trump advice how to negotiate. Be tough, be firm. You know, Chuck Schumer saying, make sure, you know, you verify, make sure you get him to to, to prove that he's really denuclearized. Like, thank you, Chuck Schumer. I could, Can the Democrats please not give Trump advice on how to negotiate? If he listens to anybody in Congress, even Republicans on how to negotiate, then he'll get completely bamboozled. I mean, this is just not the way to go. And as one of my listeners points out, Nobody really asked the Democrats their advice on this. Now, uh, Bolton, getting back to Bolton for a minute, you know, the media, again, they're trying to make it as though, like, Bolton is just this, like, radical, like, lunatic figure. And, you know, the North Koreans, they call Bolton this disgusting, vile term. I'm not going to repeat the term, but Kim Jong-un insulted Bolton big time. Now, Kim Jong-un insults everybody. North Korea insults everybody. The media conveniently forgot this. You know, first of all, they called Trump a juvenile delinquent. All right, well, that's Trump. He doesn't count. Well, they called Obama a clown. North Korea was the North Korean news agency, but it, it comes from Kim Jong-un. Uh, when Obama was president, they called him a clown, and they said, get this quote, Obama should live with a group of monkeys in the world's largest African natural zoo and lick the breadcrumbs thrown by spectators. That, that came from North Korea. So, yeah, they insulted Bolton. Bolton joins a very illustrious club. Now, they're also trying to make it as though they're throwing this summit together faster than anything we've ever seen for something this important. That's what one U.S. official said, and the media is quoting him. You see how fast they're trying to throw this together. They don't really know what they're doing. You know, th that's actually a an unbelievable thing that, you know, that Trump has been able to put this together so quickly. Normally, diplomacy with the government, it takes months and months and months, you know, because they're so incompetent. But Trump, the businessman, you know, look at what he did with the embassy. You know, he gets things done quickly. So uh, they're trying to make it like somehow that's a bad thing. You know, it's been reported about Trump. It used to be that the president, in order to speak to a foreign leader, even on the phone, they'd have one official call another official and they plan it out and have a whole itinerary planned out a curriculum it, it was like the hoops they had to jump through just to have a basic conversation this, this has been said by by top advisors of trump he just says hey get so and so on the phone and they get the person on the phone you know he cuts through all the red tape he just he cannot stand that whole establishment protocol fluff nonsense he just you know he's a businessman get to let's get to the point let's jump right in let's talk what harm could come of it all right uh some of you have reached out to me. A lot of you think that I'm correct, that Obama does very much sympathize with Iran and Hezbollah and was trying to give Iran money to support their cause against Israel. Some of you think that that's absurd, that that's like so conspiratorial. How can I even bring such a possibility up? And then my point just is, you know, the nuclear deal, it was done. It was a done deal. And yet Obama's still trying to help Iran obtain billions of dollars in U.S. currency. And he seems to have no motivation. So, you know, explain to me, was he really thinking that they're going to back out? Just very hard to believe. I understand that you're resistant to say that Obama sympathizes with Islam. But you know what? He has roots in Islam. I mean, is it is it really that outrageous is the question. The other point I would make, I was speaking to, I was actually speaking to one of my listeners, a, an avid listener and a fan for, for, for a very long time. We've built a friendship together, which is which is not a very great guy, really very bright person, very nice person. And we actually had a conversation about some stuff behind the scenes involving the show. And, uh, you know, I, I said to him, you know, he, he, he didn't think it was outrageous at all. And I said to him, you know, I said, let's pretend Obama was a spy. Now, that, that is conspiratorial. I don't believe Obama was a spy for Iran. But I'm making a point here. Let's say he was a spy. 
he would have done exactly what he did. He would not have gone any more extreme in favor of Iran and Islam because then he would have been outed. So, you know, he would have had to toe the line. So how frightening is it? Now, he's not a spy. But how frightening is it that we have a president who pretty much did what a spy would do if somehow the Iranians could get a spy in the White House? Pretty shocking stuff. Now, Howard Schultz, somebody made the point that if Howard Schultz runs in 2020, uh, he would that would force Trump to be more fiscally conservative. Trump, you know, he look, he's very fiscally conservative when it comes to taxes and lowering, you know, lowering certain spending. But at the same time, he is a spender. You know, he's not he did sign these very outrageous spending bills. Now, again, Trump's done so much good that I'm not going to quibble with that kind of thing. But, but I'm not happy as a conservative. You know, that certainly doesn't if I had my choice, he would be vetoing these bills, sending it back and cutting spending. He is not he's not interested in cutting spending. So it would be an interesting point there. And, you know, finally, a lot of you want to know, can Obama and Hillary Clinton be put in jail? Now, they certainly legally can be put in jail. And you know, the fact that Obama may have committed crimes as a president, it doesn't matter. Now that he's not president anymore, if he committed crimes, you know, if they can prove that he was he was doing, he was, you know, spying on opposition campaigns and, and obstructing justice or who knows what else, uh, then they certainly can uh, put him in jail from a legal standpoint. Is it going to happen? It might. I mean, the problem is anytime I've ever gotten my hopes up with this kind of thing, you know, it, it, it never ends up really coming to fruition. You know, so like they'd have to find like very, very, very strong evidence. And that's usually hard to do. And even with Hillary, with the whole email gate, email server gate, I, I do find it uh, unlikely because somehow it just never ends that way. But it, look, nothing is out of the question. And if anybody was going to do it, it would be President Trump. All right, I hope everybody has a wonderful Shabbos. That's going to do it. We thank you for joining us. We will see you next time.